but I feel like there's too much information to get through it in one night. And also, uh, I don't want to press through it all in one night and skip over something that I've got here. And I tried to study pretty carefully about what exactly we need to see out of this. And so uh, I've got about three pages of uh, of notes here and so let's go through them real slow and deliberately and ask God to give us something out of this I know that's a, uh, that's a major question on people's minds uh, mainly I guess out of frustration after a while people get frustrated with going through stuff and the question that you normally uh, hear is why do bad things happen to good people and, and normally that's uh, maybe that it's that way uh, because preachers have uh, preached a message titled that many times. You could probably go online and find 25 or 30 different sermons on why do bad things happen to good people. But I keep telling you, and I'm not trying to be dramatic or anything like that when I say there are no good people. Uh, Romans chapter 3 says there's none good. And that's just a point blank statement. Now, when he says there's none good, what he's talking about is there's none good enough to go to heaven. What he's talking about is there's none that is good enough to be above going through hardship or punishment or trials. We all deserve hell. Uh, You say, well, I'm going to heaven. I know you're going to heaven, but you're going to heaven by God's grace. You're going to heaven by God's mercy. You're going to heaven by, by Jesus Christ's merit giving you the righteousness of God because He took your sins upon Him on the cross. And so there's a substitution that's been made there. I know you're going to heaven, but that doesn't mean you deserve to go there. Uh, Paul the Apostle, after he's been saved and after he's been a preacher and after he's been a traveling missionary and after he's been an evangelist, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. And that's just, I mean, you might fill up one cup and fill up the next one to it and make a comparison. Maybe you've sinned more than he has, but that's his, that's his estimation of his own self. You may feel that same way about yourself if you've got a right attitude about it. Do you feel like the chief of sinners or do you feel like the best Christian that there ever was? <laughs> it's just a measuring stick about really how maybe spiritual you are or how spiritual you are not. So the question, the better question to ask is what is not why is bad stuff happening to good me? The better question to ask is just why do bad things happen? If you get a good grasp on that, well then you'll be able to, to go through life with a lot less grief. A lot of times you have grief that comes from natural things like not having money, not having enough to eat, not having a good enough car. There's things that cause natural grief. But what will add to your grief and add to your depression is the fact that you think you don't deserve that hardship or grief or something. Maybe you think you deserve a better job. You know, there's plenty of people that have fallen into the trap of, hey, if I go to college and get an education, I'll get a good job. There's plenty of people that have college educations that's working at Walmart and, or worse. Right. Amen. So uh, the, the guy gets depressed with his job and becomes a bum or something like that because he thought because he went to college he deserved to be the CEO of Microsoft or something like that. Well, you things just ain't going to happen the way you think they're going to happen in this life. Amen. And the best way to do it is like Paul said, to be content in whatsoever state you are. And it'll be easier for you to do that once you realize why 
bad things do happen in the first place. And there's a couple of different reasons biblically that we're going to look, but we need to cover some of this other stuff first. Why do bad things happen? Let's look at our text verse here in Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to start reading in verse 15, but let me pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and for your mercy. I ask you, God, to help me uh, to get through this material. Help me to present it correctly. Help everybody to understand it. And Lord, uh, I would like to come to the pulpit and and preach a fiery sermon and uh, uh, a sermon that's way up high in the atmosphere every single time and really uh, challenge folks' hearts and really stir folks up. But Lord, I trust you tonight, Lord, to help me to... Uh, in a level-headed manner, present this information. Uh, Lord, help me to say what's right. Help me to say it well. And then, Lord, help me to know when to stop at the right time. And, Lord, I pray, God, you'd help us to get this information. I believe it'll be a help to us and a blessing to us. And maybe it'll level out our heads a little bit as we go forward in life. And help us, God, to expect great things from you, but to expect exactly what you told us to expect out of this world. And, Lord, I have a feeling if the folks are expecting a little hardship, then it won't catch them by surprise. And it won't knock them off their guard, and it won't knock them out of the boat, so to speak. And, Lord, I pray you'd help us just to prepare ourselves tonight through your word. And we'll thank you and praise you for everything that you do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's start reading in verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And then he goes on and talks about the other things in the chapter there. But notice in verse 17 he said, Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, If you eat of it, you're going to surely die. Now, uh, bad things, the capital of bad things is death. The capital of bad things is death. That's the worst thing that could happen to you. Uh, you say, well, maybe uh, uh, going to hell would be worse than that. Well, you've got to die to go to hell. Amen. You've got to die. Hell is not here on this earth. Uh, you've got to die in order to get that. The Hell is so bad, though, the Bible calls it in the book of Revelation, the second death. Amen. So death is the reward for sin. Death is the penalty for sin. So that's what, that's what uh, the lawgiver Moses had to say about uh, why bad things happen. Now I want to re- read you a couple of things. The law, that was the law. Moses wrote the law. And of course it's not contained within the body of the law, but Moses is the lawgiver. And he says that death came upon men because of sin. So bad things happen because of sin. If you get a headache tomorrow, it's sin's fault. Now you may not look at it that way. You may, well my, my mama had bad genetics and my dad had bad genetics or I was dropped on my head as a kid and now I get migraines. Well without sin in the world nobody would have ever got a migraine. You realize that? I mean without sin ever entering into the world man would have probably never even got an ingrown toenail. So every bad thing, every evil thing, and let me explain this and I think I have explained it a lot of times before, but just in case you wouldn't hear, the word evil, when, when most people think of the word evil, they think of the word wicked. And the, the, the word evil can include wickedness, but the evil just means anything bad. The, the Bible says that God, He created the evil. 
And what he means by that is when he created the curse, he just created things that are bad. And through that curse, he created things that are bad. Uh, Evil could be somebody robbing a bank. That's what we think of as wickedness. But evil could be a headache, just like I said a while ago. And you say, why? Because it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. So the bad things in the world, weeds in your yard. Is that good or bad? Well, some of you don't care about stuff like that. But, but a man that likes to keep every blade of grass just perfect, he don't like weeds. He don't like dandelions and them little things that come up and, you know, all that crazy stuff. Uh, they, we got one in the backyard. I've dug it up. I've mowed it down. I've poured gasoline on it. It comes back. It's one of them things that's got thorns all over it and it grows straight up. And I don't know what you call that. Georgia cactus. I don't know what that thing is. But it is a, it's a nasty plant. Boy. Uh, but it's pretty, but it's evil. Yeah. Amen. So bad stuff. I mean, negative things. That's what is evil. And evil comes into the world because of sin. And so every time you experience something bad, just say, sin, I hate you. <laughs> Amen. Train your mind to think bad of the of the of sin. Amen. And so let's look and see what the prophets say. We see what the lawgiver said. Let's see what the prophet says. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter eighteen. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Ezekiel got this new Bible here. It's hard to find stuff. Ezekiel chapter eighteen. And really, we could look at the whole chapter of 18, and there's a lot of stuff in there, but we'll just read a couple of verses. Let's, let's start reading in verse number 1. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall, have, uh, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also is the soul of the uh, Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Amen? See that? The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now what he's saying here is Israel come up with a proverb and they said the, the fathers ate the sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And basically that proverb just means that the sins of the father had rubbed off and the children were paying for it. Kind of like our national debt. We're spending, spending, spending on a lot of junk and our kids are going to pay for it down the line. Well, that's what he's talking about here. The, the fathers have sinned and the children are going to pay for it. But the Lord said, listen here, what I'm going to get across to you, he says, all souls are mine. He says, the souls of the fathers and the souls of the children. But I'm telling you, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so back in Genesis, the lawgiver said, you physically, you eat off the tree, you do a physical thing, you're going to die physically. Well, the Bible here says in the prophets, he said the soul, not the body, the, the spiritual, not the physical, he said the soul that sins shall die. So you've got your body and your soul right there. And, but you've got the same principle in the prophets as you do in the law. The law says uh, you eat off the tree, you die. You disobey my commandment, you die. Uh, the prophet says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. In your New Testament. And Romans chapter 6, he says, in verse number 23, I think all of you probably seen this verse when you got saved. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. What you get paid, that's your wages. You go to work this week, you pick up a check. At the end of the week, that's your wages. You work 40 hours, you get paid for 20. That's your wages. (laughs) The other 20 gets took out for taxes and all kinds of stuff you'll never see again, whatever the case may be. Amen? But that's your wage. That's what you work for. Amen? You work for money. You don't work uh, because your boss is such a good man. I just love my boss and I want to show up and work for him this week. No, you're working for your money. And that's what, you, that's what you're supposed to live off at the end of the week. Right. Amen. And I, w- I would, boy, I hate to do this, but I'm going to stop right here in the middle of the message. And I'm going to tell you to get busy and try to find something you can do besides work for somebody else. I'm not telling you to quit your jobs. I'm just saying learn to do something with your hands that you can do, that you can teach your children how to do. Because I don't believe this world economy is going to hold up much longer. Amen. And if everything falls and goes, somebody's going to need something, and you might need to know how to do it. Right. Some of you might need to learn how to dig wells or, or shoe a horse or something crazy. You might think I'm crazy, but you need to learn how to do something. Right. Amen. And I, I might talk about that again a little later sometime, but just be praying about that. Amen. Uh, people from China, hey, they might be making the stuff you're buying at Walmart, but they ain't going to bring you water <laughs> once stuff falls apart. Amen? Something to think about there. So the gospel says the wages of sin is death. Is death bad? Okay, bad stuff. So you've got a universal biblical teaching here in the law, in the prophets, and Jesus made that delineation. Jesus talked about the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. So the law and the prophets and the gospel. See, people got the, got the idea that now, here in the New Testament, everything's rosy. We got saved, so everything's supposed to be alright. We're supposed to be able to just live our life and uh, dodge the bad and try to not to mess up too bad. And if we mess up, we ask God to forgive us. Well, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is still death right here in the New Testament. Right. Now, you're going to live forever spiritually. Right. But that body you eat off the tree, you're still going to die. Amen? You see that? Now, I want you to go back because we talked about that good person. I want to go... Well, stay right there in Romans chapter... Turn back to Romans chapter 3 there and I want to show you because I want to give you all the Bible that I can. And even if I don't do too much explanation, I give you the Bible and you'll know where to go get it. You'll have the information. The same Spirit that teaches me can teach you. Amen? So, Romans chapter 3... And let's read, uh, let's start reading in verse number, verse number 9, I think. Romans 3, verse 9. What then, are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So there's none righteous and there's none good. There's none that even does good, he says. They said, matter of fact, nobody's even searching after God. Nobody's seeking. Verse 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Ain't you glad God sought after you? Sure you are. Well, what about this? Uh, Let's see what the Bible has to say about good people. Let's turn back to Ecclesiastes. Proverbs, and the next book you got is Ecclesiastes. Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and look in chapter number 2. 
I want you to show, I want to show you something because what I was talking about a while ago, some of you might think, you know, I gave you the illustration of the man that went to college and thought he ought to be the CEO, but instead he's working, uh, you know, a minimum wage job. See, he, he went and did what was necessary to get a high paying job, but that's not what he ended up with. Well, I want to show you here in your Bible how that you're not always going to get what you think you deserve. Amen. You might you might be living a rough life and think you deserve better. But I want you to I want to show you how we're all tangled up in the same mess here as far as the Bible's concerned. Ecclesiastes chapter two and look in verse number let's start reading in verse number twelve there at the paragraph mark. It said, And I turn myself and behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can uh, the man do that cometh after the king, even that which hath been already done? Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. So he said it's better to be wise than foolish, folly, foolishness. He said wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The difference between wisdom and fools is the difference between light and dark. So it's better to be wise, is it not? Okay. Verse 14, the wise man's eyes are in his head... But the fool walketh in darkness. The wise man has light and the fool walks in darkness. And he says, And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. One event happens to the wise man, happens to the fool. He said the man that's wise, he's, a, he's better than the fool like light is to darkness. But guess what? The, the thing that happens to the fools happens to the wise men as well. And I can just get, you know, we'll illustrate it with the scripture we've already used. What's going to happen to a wise man one day? He's going to die. What's going to happen to the fool? He's going to die. You know, wise men get sick. Dead men get sick. Dead men go broke. Uh, dead men. Uh, foolish men go broke. Wise men go broke. It's just the way it, is. it rains at the wise man's house. It rains down at the foolish man's house. Matter of fact, the fool has a house. See that? Just like the wise man. So he says, just, he says it's, it, the difference between wise men and fools is night and day. But one event happens to them all. Let's uh, turn over to chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And let me see, find a good place to start here. <clears throat> Let's start reading in verse number 12. Though a sinner do evil an hundred times, and his day be and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. You, as a Christian, you might be, might be tempted to say, "Well, that man's a wicked man, and he's doing he's okay. I mean, his days are he's lived a long time, and he said, uh, even though you can see a a, a a sinner with his days prolonged, he said it's." I know it's going to be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. So keep doing right no matter what the evil person does. Don't be fooled by the prosperity of of fools. Amen? So that's what he's trying to get across to you. He says in verse 13, But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. God's going to cut him off one day. There is a vanity, look the verse 14, There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, and that there be just men, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. 
So, you know, you do righteousness and you're supposed to get blessed. You do wickedness, you're supposed to get punished. But he said, I see some men that's doing wicked things and they're getting rewards. And he said, I see some men doing righteous things and they're ending up like foolish people. They're getting they're getting knocked down. They're getting sick. They're getting things taken away from them. So he said, that's a vanity. He said, that's a, uh, that's a vain thing as far as I'm concerned. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth that there be just men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Now turn over to chapter 9 there, to the next chapter. Chapter 9, and let's look at verse number... Oh, I turned two pages. And let's look at verse number 11. He said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. Now, is that fair? You get out, me and you're going to race and you're faster than me. Is it fair that I win? Don't you deserve to win a race if you're faster than me? You would think you do. <laughs> but he said, I turned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. I mean, if you got more nuclear weapons than I got, ain't you supposed to beat me? <laughs> so he says, the, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. You know what success is going to be measured by a lot of times in your life? Not even the blessing of God, he said. Time and chance. You might open a business right when it's needed and have a booming business. And you might open a business that you think everybody wants. It'd be the wrong time and it'd go down the drain. You might be smarter than the guy that's making a million dollars down the street. Time and chance. You see that? Well, I deserve, doesn't matter what you deserve. Bible didn't say. Uh, he said the race isn't always won by the swift. The money isn't always made by the by the wisest. Hey, you got to put your nose to the grindstone, and guess what might come up? Nothing. I took this garden that I got and I dug it up and I planted all kinds of stuff in there and I worked on the ground and I worked on the ground and I worked on the ground and I thought, man, this this is probably going to be the best garden I've ever got. And I'm going out there every day going. I say unto thee, arise. I'm, I'm trying to resurrect thee, and it just ain't coming up. Just ain't coming up. And you say, what is it? I don't know. That's God. Maybe I need a more perfect understanding of the of the uh, the signs and the. Well, I don't know. All I know is I got grass coming up out there. I know that. <clears throat> so I'll have an appointment with that. With that hoe this week trying to get it up. Amen. But that's just the way it's going to work. Sometimes stuff comes out right. Sometimes it don't. And I worked hard enough for it. (laughs) I wrung a a shirt full of water out out working in that garden. That don't mean it's going to come up. You say, what, time and chance? You think God's out there going, don't come up. He designed it to come up. Right. Don't you believe God? I know God blesses. I understand all that. But the book of Ecclesiastes is telling you just the plain out, flat, natural part of the stuff. You could plant a terrible garden in terrible ground. God could bless it to come up. That ain't nothing for God to bless something. But we're talking about the way things are on an everyday basis. 
You see, people get real interested in spiritual things when it comes to hardship. Well, can't God bless it? Sure He can. Well, what were you thinking last week before you knew He, before you knew He, before you knew you needed Him to make it come up? Right. <laughs> see, see, see the difference there. So, what you've got instead of good people is you have well-trained people in the Bible. Do you, some of them are wise, some of them are fools. And so, the Bible talks about some of those men as good men. Let's look uh, in Psalm chapter thirty-seven. Psalm chapter thirty-seven. Psalm chapter 37, and let's look at verse number 20, 20, let's start reading in verse 21. 21 looks like a good one to read. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. The steps of a good man. Now, over there in the book of Romans, he said, there's none that doeth good. But here he says, a good man. Well, what he's talking about, a good man in the Bible, is a man that's been trained. The Bible says, train up a man the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. You know, a good way to send somebody to hell is not train them. If you don't give him any principles and if you don't give him any direction in his young life, then he's going to grow up and he's not going to have any good principles about him. He'd die and go to hell. He won't even understand the need for salvation. He won't understand what it is to be lost. I ain't never done nothing wrong. Every time somebody ever said something to me, my mama come along and told them what for. Well, you just damned the soul to hell right there because he don't understand his need to get saved. He don't understand his need uh, to, he don't understand his need as a sinner. That's why you don't pamper children and let them do whatever they want to do. Amen? Right. So you've got a bit, you, get, you say, a good man, how do I get, grow up to be a good man? You get trained to be a good man. Right. How do I get my children to be good people? You train them to be good people. Right. And then, what is that? What's the chances on them coming out right if you train them right? 50-50? 60-40? Would you even want to lay odds on that? <laughs> I'll just move on since <laughs> nobody wants to put odds on that. Amen. Psalm 112. Let's look over there. Psalm 112. That's why it's so dangerous. And I, I think about this all the time with my own kids. If if we do watch something on Netflix or something like that, and I'll see something come up, oh, I'm I'm real whoa 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 because you don't know. We're talking about putting seed in the ground a while ago and watching it come up. Man, you don't know what's going to come up. Right. But if it's in the ground, it's got a chance of coming up. Yeah. Amen. Oh, we was watching some kind of a documentary today where they were looking <laughs> through all these ruins and history and stuff like that, and they got over there and. Uh, Burma, Myanmar, whatever they call it now, and they're looking for all this stuff, and they're looking for some kind of an old historic relic, uh, relic that got taken or something like that. And they get up there in this place, and these people are chanting and trying to find ghosts and all kinds of stuff like that. So, whoa, 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 we got to get out of there. You say, why? A bunch of homosexuals in there. And you. Wh- right. I said, we can't watch that. Right. 
We can't watch that. We don't need no ghosts. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? We don't need no homosexuals. We don't need none of that stuff. So why plant the seed? If you think television ain't planting the seed, you've got another thing coming. Amen. Amen. You say, how do people get, how do people wind up the way they was? They was taught to be that way. There had nobody on this earth ever come out any different than what they was taught to be. I know, good, I know what I consider to be good Christian folks that's got kids that grew up to be pure devils and they don't understand what in the world went on. But they're, on one hand, they're good Christians go to church every service. On the other hand, anything goes on television. They're unsupervised. They can go around and do what they want with their friends and talk what they want. And nobody's ever checking on their uh, little emails and their little telephone communications and stuff like that. Well... They're getting that seed planted in them every day about wicked stuff that you don't know nothing about. Yeah. Right. Right. Amen. So you got to you got to check on stuff. How what, how did things go bad? I went to church every Sunday. Well, first of all, you're a blockhead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, right. that's the first thing. I mean, we'll preach it. We'll preach about that. The other reasons in a different sermon. But uh, Psalm 112 here, some, I think that's where I told you to go. Psalm 112 and verse number 5, the Bible says, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. So there's a good man. There are some uh, principles, there's some characteristics that make people good in the sense of living down here good. Now, uh, he said a good man showeth favor. Now, can you get to heaven by showing favor? No, sir. So your goodness don't... Uh, extend unto God. David said, my, ext- my goodness extendeth not to thee, O Lord. And what he means is, my goodness might influence Brother Nathan, or my goodness might have an effect on Brother Chris over here, uh, but my goodness is not going to put me uh, in squared accounts with the Lord. Right. He had to die for me and give me his righteousness in order for my account to be settled with him. Nothing good that I ever... The problem with good deeds is that your good deeds don't erase the bad deeds. You, I'm, uh, I'm 45 right now. I could have lived from the day I was born to the day I was 45 doing nothing but bad. And then stop doing bad altogether and live the rest of my life doing nothing but good. And all of my good deeds from 45 to my death would not erase... The bad deeds that I did before that. It, the good deeds don't cancel out the bad deeds. Uh, people have got this idea they're going to go to heaven and God's going to put their bad deeds in one side and their good deeds in the other side of a balance and whichever one outweighs. Well listen, you could put a whole truckload of good deeds on this side and you could put one ounce of bad deeds on this side and the scale would go just like that. One ounce of bad uh Outweighs tons and tons and tons and megatons of good. Right. You say, why? Because good doesn't wash away the bad. The only thing that washes away the bad is the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ takes away our sins. Amen. So you can be good in this sense, in the biblical sense. Let me give you a couple of more verses. Turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. And we could go on Luke chapter 23. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. But Luke chapter 23 even names uh, a good man by name. Uh, you remember Joseph? He went and begged the body of Jesus and put him in a borrowed tomb. The Bible says about him, said he was a good man. It didn't, wasn't just talking about a good man as somebody that shows favor. It actually named who a good man was. So Matthew chapter 12 
I keep on talking and I don't get to turn there. You beat me there. Matthew chapter 12. And let's look at verse number 35. Matthew 12 and verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So the Bible says it's not that which goes in the mouth that defiles a man. He said it's the thing that comes out of the heart and proceedeth out of the mouth. That defiles. So man's got a good heart or a bad heart. He said a man that got uh, a good man will bring good treasure out of his out of his heart, out of his out of his life. Amen. He'll show good things. So if you see somebody that's continually bad, 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 uh, you don't have to scratch your head and wonder: Is he saved? Amen. If he's not saved, if he's saved and he's a fallen into a backslidden condition, you can watch. And I'm not talking about watching with glee. I'm just going to watch till the Lord whoops him. I'm talking about with concern. You can watch their lives and God will start beating the daylights out of them. And I've noticed it. I've seen it. I've seen people cause trouble. I've seen people start stuff and instantly God start whooping them. And and you know what they usually say? The devil's really fighting me. We're going to see in a minute who it is that's doing the fighting. Luke 23.50 even names individuals. You don't have to turn there because I want to move on through this a little bit. Uh, but you know what I look for? I look through it feverishly. I, I never find one good woman in the Bible. I'm going to step back a little bit. No, the Bible goes through references a good man, a good man, and then it, it names... A good man, Joseph over there, when he, in the other reference I gave you, the man that went and borrowed the, uh, uh, begged the body of Jesus, stumbling about, keep trying to look around, make sure ain't nobody about to throw nothing at me. But the Bible doesn't mention a good woman. What do you think about that? We all put our foot on their necks and keep them down, right? <laughs> keep down these terrible women. You know what the Bible does say about woman? Look at 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. It's awful quiet in here. 2 Kings chapter 4, look in verse 8. It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. So she is a great woman. Now I look through my Bible, I look through my Bible, I look through my Bible, and I found references to great men that meant they had a lot of money, they had a lot of houses, they had a lot of land, they had a lot of power, they had kingdoms, but I, a reference to a great man, I didn't find one. Now, get what I'm saying, I found references to great men in regards to they had a lot of stuff, they had a lot of power. But this is the one woman in the Bible. The Bible says she was a great woman. The Bible doesn't say that. There's some good men the Bible talks about. But here's a great woman. How about that? The Bible says there's none good. But here's a great, here's a great woman. So, as far as your training goes, and as far as your character goes, you can be good. You ought not use uh, what the good things you've done to proclaim yourself self-righteous enough to go to heaven, but you ought not use your sinfulness and your depravity to justify doing bad things because many Christians do that. They say, well, there's none good. 
Well, I'm going to sin anyway, and I'll just ask forgiveness for it. No, you're justifying doing the bad right. by your badness. Right. That's not what you're supposed to do. you got the Holy Spirit. It's possible to be a good man. It's possible to be a great woman. Amen. We'll just have to leave a big question mark on that good woman stuff. Amen. Because I didn't find it. Amen. But I found a great one. Yeah. Amen. Can you be great without being good? I'll leave that question to you. Amen. Well, let me say this. And I want you to get this. I know some of you are bored tonight, but don't get bored on me. Don't go to sleep, okay? Because you really, you really need to hear this stuff and you need to understand it. And I want to read this to you. I wrote it out because if I get a, a thought that's bigger than a couple of words, I have to write it down or I won't be able to remember it very well. The fact of the matter is that good people ought to be suited to better handle hardship than bad people. If you've got good principle, you know the question is, why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, in the grand scheme of things, you good people, you're the one that should bear the burden of, of the bad. Right? I mean, if, if that's the mindset that you got, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, let me ask you this. Who could carry the sin debt? Who could carry the sin debt? Who could withstand the burden of this? Are we in a Christian church here or not? Who could bear the sin debt? Who could bear the sin debt? Jesus. Well, that's a good answer right there. Who could bear the sin debt? Jesus. Was he a good man or a bad man? Why didn't they send Judas to die on the cross? He couldn't handle it, could he? Why didn't they send the devil? Why didn't they, Hey, the devil caused all this mess. Uh, he got the messing with Adam and Eve over there in the garden. Why didn't the Lord string him up? Well, he couldn't handle it, could he? The Lord Jesus could handle it. He said, shoot, I'll go up there and let them nail me to the cross and I'll get back up. Right. <laughs> he said, you're not going to take my life, but I'll lay it down. Right. He said, i got power to lay it down, got power to take it right. up again. Right. Well, a lot, of the, a lot of people in the world that think they're good people, they say, nothing bad should be happening to me. You're the very one that can handle it if you're so good. I've never been claimed to be a good... I don't like bad stuff no more than you do. Blank claiming to be good either. Uh, a fellow come up to Jesus and said, Good master. And he says, There's one good. That's God. That's the way I feel about it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Amen. If something bad happens to me, I know what, why it happens to me because I'm a sinner. Amen. Amen. So people who ask why good people suffer bad things, they're usually talking about themselves. People who are usually worried about bad things happening to good people, they're thinking about themselves. They'll say, Brother Pedro, why do bad things happen to good people? They're talking about themselves. See, they started going through something and they thought they shouldn't be going through it, so now they're asking the question. They're asking because their life is teaching them how good they ain't. That's the reason why they're asking the question. Because they're going through things that ought to be happening to bad people. Amen? And that leads to your first mistake in life of treating all bad things as though they were authored by the devil. 
If I'm a good person and I'm doing good things, then a good God ought to be giving me all of my good stuff. And if I'm a good person doing good things, then all the bad things that happen to me, the devil's been doing those things. That's not true. That's not true. You won't find a better man in your Bible than Job. You will not find a better man in your Bible than Job. God said he's a good man. God said he, he eschews evil. God said that man does not like evil. He don't like nothing evil. Don't like nothing bad. He watched his kids like a hawk. He prayed for him. He watched over him. Boy, he was just, he didn't like nothing evil. He, everything God had revealed to him, he tried to do that. I mean, the only thing God never revealed to Job that he needed revealing was the sinfulness of his flesh. That was what Job had to learn. But if, 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 if Job had the idea that God hated that chair, he had burned that chair and stomped that chair and take that thing ten miles out and spread its ashes, he wouldn't get close to that chair otherwise. Because he had an idea his maker didn't like it. And by burning that chair and stomping that chair and being on God's side, he thought, hey, I'm on God's side, I'm a good fella. And God said, well, I'm going to let the devil do this badness to you just to teach you that all men are flesh and all men are grass and so forth and so on. You've heard the story. Amen? Let me slow down here just a second. Well, we do treat all bad. We treat everything bad like it come from the devil. We treat all, everything good like it come from God. We ought not do that. We ought not do that. Amen? So we've got to figure out how to uh, correct some of these mistakes. Amen? We've got to figure out how to correct it with the truth. Amen? Bad things happen for a couple of reasons. I'm going to give you a couple of those reasons right now. I think we can get through this pretty fast. Hmm... All right, let's move on. Let's look in Job chapter 37. Job chapter 37. Job chapter 37. And verse number 13. Lucky number 13. Well, let's back up a couple. Job chapter, oh, that's, that almost lined up good, but that's not uh, Job. (laughs) That's Psalm chapter 37. I was going to read you that. Uh, The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. That went with this morning's sermon, but we want to stick with this one. You don't want me to preach two sermons. Some of you bored to death at this one right here. Uh, Job chapter 37 and verse number 13. Well, let's back up. Let's back up a couple of verses here. Verse number 10. Well, verse number 9. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. By the breath of God frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering. Watering. uh, Rain, 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 rain. Also by watering... He wearieth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud. And it is turned round by his counsels that they may do whatsoever he commandeth them upon the face of the word, uh, the world in the earth. So he's talking about a, a storm cloud here. It's full of water. And the Lord says he do, it does whatsoever he commandeth them. If uh, Brother Pedro was talking to me the other day, he said it could come a rain out of that uh, swamp 
And he said, come by and rain all over Folkestone. And it rained north of him. But right there in that spot he lives in, said it won't rain a drop. And you know the Lord directs that thing. If, if my house and your house was sitting side by side and it rained at your house and not at mine, that's because the Lord said, rain on his house and not over there. So you think the Lord gets involved with that? I know the Lord has set the weather in its circuits. I know the Lord set things up to run by itself. But the Bible says everything, all these clouds work by his counsel. goes where he wants them to go. So when a hurricane comes in and destroys a city... And the preacher gets up and says, God let that happen. He shouldn't apologize after the fact. But that's what they do. Right. I've noticed now they've even stopped saying anything like that. Preachers, the national preachers have even stopped saying something like that. Hurricane Katrina come in and dumped on one of the most wicked places in America, Louisiana, and tore that place up. The 700 Club, God did that for judgment. And then they go, oh, how terrible. And they get 700 Club got, oh, we're sorry. We apologize. Why apologize? It's true. The Bible says God has His way in the whirlwind. If God wants His way, He'll send a tornado your your way. Amen. Kansas must be a wicked place. Amen. Ain't that what gets hit, Kansas? Well, it's the cold air that comes out of here and the warm air comes up here. Yeah, God's tearing that place apart is what He's doing. Amen. When they went out west, they said, we've got to get away from these preachers on the east coast. They didn't take them with them. You hear about the wild, wild west, shoot them up and all that. How come that stuff didn't happen on the east coast? I mean, people got killed and murdered. But that's where all the gunfight and the lawlessness you hear about. Well, they didn't take no churches with them. When they loaded up their wagons, they should have thrown a Methodist church in the back or something. Pulled it out there. Amen. Would have been better than what they got now. But let's move on. Verse, uh, what, what verse was I on here? Job 37, verse number uh, verse number 12. And it turned round by his counsels, and they may do whatever, uh, whatsoever he commanded them upon the face of the world in the earth. He causeth it to come. Now listen. He causeth it to come. The Lord causes it to come. The rain he's talking about. Now look. Whether for correction or for his land. Or for mercy. So the Lord said when I let it rain, I'm either going to let it rain for mercy, I'm going to let it rain for the land's sake, or He said I'm going to let it rain for correction. So when your city gets flooded and washed away, that wasn't a freak of nature. That was an act of God. God allowed that. America has famous floods. Jonestown and stuff like that. God did that. God did that. The flood that happened up north with that Hurricane Sandy. God did that. You say, what did he do it for? Correction. He did it for correction. So bad things happen for correction. Correction. Proverbs chapter 3. Look at Proverbs chapter number 3. When bad things start happening in your life, you know what the number one thing you ought to think of is? Correction. Amen. I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about... uh, my first cousin had something bad happen. I want, no, the, remember what we read? The Bible said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Your cousin doing something stupid, God's not going to burn your house down for that. Amen? The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. God's going to deal with you individually. Amen? So the first thing is that God allows bad things happen for correction. So when bad stuff starts happening, you might, start, you might want to start praying, God, help me to understand why this is going on. Help me to see. And we'll go on, we'll see in a little bit that it's not always for correction, but it is 
the first the first thing you want to know is it is for correction. Proverbs chapter three and verse number eleven. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. So the chastening of the Lord is synonymous with his correction, and the Lord says not to despise it. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Where do you find wisdom? In correction. And the man that getteth understanding. How do you get understanding? In correction. In other words, you'll stop doing something that will hurt you worse than the correction. You're going along doing something you ought not to do. God will give you some correction and it may hurt, but it's not going to hurt as much as if you was to keep going and run into the problem that God... You know, you get out and take a little nip, a little bit won't hurt. My, little, uh, my old preacher used to say this. He said, hey, if it takes ten drinks to get you drunk and you only drink one drink, you're one-tenth drunk. Amen. Amen. That's good logic, ain't it? That's country boy sense right there. Well, the Lord might come and knock you on the head. Amen. To keep you from getting your brains bashed out on the highway or words. Amen. Amen. I'm sure in here of all the men that's testified to me that they used to be drinkers, I'm sure you got in some hairy situations messing with that stuff. And if it wasn't for the grace of God correcting you, you'd still be doing it. And you ought to say, thank God He corrected me. And we could take this sermon and turn it on its ear right now and kind of get excited about some things that God's kept us from just by giving us a little whooping every now and then. Because if He wouldn't have got a hold of us when He got a hold of us, we had been in far worse shape than we was. Amen. And that little whipping that God gave us to get us where we're at didn't hurt as bad as the life you'd be living right now if God wouldn't have got a hold of you. Amen. That's good That's good stuff right there. Proverbs chapter 15. Let's look over there. Moving right along. Proverbs chapter 15. And look in verse number 10. And it says this, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. You don't fall in line with the correction of the Lord, you're going on towards something worse. Just like I said. So when bad things happen, don't rebel. When bad things happen, don't despair. When bad things happen, don't just throw up your hands and quit. Say, Lord, show me what this is about. And I know God's just faithful enough to say, well, this is what I want you to do, and that's what I want you to do. I've been amazed. You know, I've been amazed in this church, and I've been the pastor of this church almost nine years now, but this particular time, I've been the pastor here just a little over seven years, and I'm amazed at the people that's come and visited this church, and God somehow get involved with the preaching, and I'll preach on the very thing that somebody's either thinking or doing, and they'll come up, they'll say, uh, they'll say, oh, in one particular case, of Brother Curtis brought a friend with him to church, and I just uh, got out of the banks that morning and preached about several different things, and that fellow went home and told Curtis he said you told that man what I was doing you told that preacher to get me this morning didn't you and he said I didn't I didn't and several things people have come and confided to my wife and talked to my wife and I'll get up here and preach and on their way home she'll say now I'm going to have to explain to them why I told you and I didn't tell you in other words what Somebody been talking to Ruth and then I'll get up here and preach about that very thing and now Ruth's like, oh my soul, they're going to think I told you. And she don't tell me. I don't give her enough time to talk to me for her to be able to tell me stuff like that. Amen. Uh, that ain't entirely true. But I'll tell you this, uh, I, I don't need, I don't need, and no preacher needs 
uh, anybody to tell them about you. Right. God will tell them. Right. Yeah. And listen, yeah. when that when that, I'd rather be corrected by a preacher Amen. than I would a car accident yeah. or a doctor bill or something like that. Yeah. Amen. So don't get mad when the preacher calls your number or even calls your name. Of course, I'm, I'm not in the habit of calling people's names, but I sat under a preacher uh, for better than 20 years that called people's names. <laughs> and say, so you need to get right, Mabel. <laughs> Amen. Just call them right out. <laughs> Amen. Call them everything. But <clears throat> hey! Hush up. <laughs> he about to get a woman or something. Amen. <clears throat> I can call him by name. He's mine. Amen. But listen, the Bible says here in this verse, he said, uh, correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. That's what's wrong with churches this day and time. They hate reproof. They hate reproof. But you need, it's going to save you down the line. Amen. It's going to, cause, going to save you a lot of problems. And I, you know, I was thinking about how much reproof I got as a child. Boy, my mama whooped me. She whooped me a drop. I think, I think just personally, I think she whooped me more than she had to. But it didn't hurt that bad. I mean, it hurt physically. It, it hurt physically. But you know, whether it's mamas or daddies or whether it's uh, uh, the law, I, I'm afraid. I mean, in my heart, I'm afraid. Uh, even when somebody who's not in authority over me, when they tell me something, I tend to listen and consider it and think about it. Right. You say, why? Because correction, if it's grievous to you, you could end up dying from it. Uh, when somebody tells me, well, preacher, I think you ought to do it this way. Well, I think about it. And I look at it. Because I'm not a fool. And if the Bible says I'm right, then I'll do it. If the Bible says that the counsel I'm getting is wrong, I'll just go ahead and stick with the Bible. But, you know, you've been saved a week, and I've been saved 40, 40, 40 years, 40 plus years. I, I should know better than you. I don't do that. And I've talked to some preacher, and I said, maybe you want to think about doing it a different way. I know what I'm doing. Okay, go ahead and bump your head then. You know, there's, some, there's people, you know, one, one of the hardest things to do is pastor people that are older than you. And this church has several folks that are older than me. And sometimes it's hard to preach to people and say, well, you know, they've been alive about 10, 15, 20 years longer than me. What am I going to tell them? I'm telling the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And we had the youth night here a couple of weeks, youth meeting a couple weeks ago, and we didn't have one boy preach up here that was older than 24 years old that I can remember except for Brother Nathan. And I'll tell you what, you had better had listened to them boys. I don't care if you're 75. Amen. Amen. You say, why? They was preaching. Amen. And they was preaching God's Word. And I didn't hear them say nothing wrong either. Amen. You better fear and tremble and get on the altar or go on out there and break your neck. You just make the you make the choice, amen. And then let me let me give you uh, a couple other things that the Bible's for, or that punishments for. And I read you this verse, so let me just give you let me just re- uh, call to your remembrance Genesis chapter two. We read we read that if you eat off the tree, you die. We read the wages of sin is death. Remember those verses that we read. So I'm going to use those verses and say the second reason that bad stuff comes is just recompense. And you know there's a difference between punishment or correction and punishment. Punishment is recompense. You did bad, so you get a whooping. Amen? And in a way, whippings can correct you, but there's a difference between recompense. The wages of sin is death. How do you come back from that? How many of you folks have been forgiven? Are you still going to die? 
Is your body physically going to die? Okay, that's recompense. Well, Lord, I got right. I, I trusted your son as a Savior. Why do I got to die? Because you're a sinner. Lord, please don't let me die. Yeah, I've heard the, the, best, the best Bible teacher I know of prayed that God would let him live to the rapture. You know what happened? He died two weeks ago. Why? He was a good feller, wouldn't he? As far as I know, he was. But you know what he was? He was a sinner, and therefore he died. God corrected him all of his life. He did not die the way he lived as a young man. He died as a saved Baptist preacher. But at some point in this time in his life, he sinned. At some point in the time of his life, he did bad things. You know what happened to him? He died. That's recompense. That's recompense. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Amen? Amen. Uh, you could, I mean, if you're not getting what I'm saying, payback. Payback. You shouldn't have done that. That's why, you know, people look back and they say, well, my mama corrected me, but she didn't correct me right. She whooped me and sometimes she was mad. And I try not to whoop kids when I'm mad and stuff like that. And I try to teach them lessons because I realize when I was growing up, mama just beat me and she didn't explain nothing. I mean, (laughs) tell a lie and she whoop you. And I'm waiting for this lecture on how do I further uh, my life by... Learning to tell, teach me how to tell the truth, mother. No, there wasn't no teaching me how to tell the truth. She just beat my rear end for lying. That was a recompense. Where's my lesson, mother? <laughs> Don't cross me, son. That's your, that's, your, that's your lecture. Because I said so. How many of you ever got that? Why can't I do that? Because I said so. Well, I don't, I don't particularly like that method. And I, I don't use that. It's right. You're supposed to. You know why you're going to die? Because God said don't eat off of that tree. And Adam did, so you're going to die. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? Well, God's a merciful God. You're still going to die. Amen. And so whatever, whatever happens, that, that plain old punishment, it's going to come out in your health. Why do I got to get sick? I'm saved. Well, you're going to get sick. Amen. The very few people that don't get sick. Rayton Puckett's a, an amazement to me. Y'all know Rayton Puckett that comes here and preaches. No medication whatsoever. He's above 80 years old and don't take any pills. The, the man's healthy as a horse. Of course, he, he lives on the side of the mountain and breathes that fresh mountain air and grows his own food in the garden. That probably helps a lot, but man, no, no high blood pressure. Uh, no rheumatism. <laughs> uh, n- none of that stuff. He's just healthy as he can be. Amen. I'm glad for I'm glad for it. You know what? He can't hear. Got them little hearing aids. That's the only thing he could say is wrong with him. But how come he's got bad hearing? Well, it's an artillery ship. No, no. I've heard people say that. Well, I got bad hearing because I worked around these big machines and stuff. No, you got bad hearing because your body's failing you because you are a sinner. Right. Amen. Amen. And blame it on all kinds of stuff. I was standing around. I was standing around a loud machine or I was standing next to a mortar when it went off. You can blame stuff on them, but every bit of it is cause of sin. If you wouldn't have sinned, you wouldn't have to be working in that factory right. next to that loud machine. I mean, you're just going to go through some stuff because God said that's the way it's going to happen. Since we're in Proverbs, let's look in Proverbs 23. <clears throat> Proverbs 23 and verse number 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. 
How many of you got a rod? Paddle? Switch? <laughs> he ain't gonna die. They meant just know when to quit, amen. Know when to start. Right. Know when to quit, amen. Right. Most Christian folk are not child abusers. Amen. Now I wouldn't get on this Michael Pearl trip of beating your little newborn baby. Amen. Right. Amen. Don't don't get mess. Who's Michael Pearl? None of your business. Don't go home and look him up. Amen. Because Amen. he'll say enough good to get you fooled into following, then he'll make a dunce out of you. Don't do it. Amen. A moron. That's what he is. But the Bible says, he said. Uh, Thou shalt beat him from a rod, verse 14. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Amen. That's good stuff, ain't it? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm trying to hurry, but I ain't doing a good job. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let's look at verse number 15. Oh, four. Uh, verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall reveal from heaven with his mighty angels. So the Bible says in verse 6, it's a righteous thing to recompense tribulation to them that would give a Christian a hard time. So in God's eyes, it's righteous if you deserve something just to give it to you. It's a righteous thing. Now, he may apply mercy. He may be graceful and merciful and not give you as much as you deserve. But if something bad happens in your life, you can bet your bottom dollar... It was deserved in one way, shape, or form. Amen? And then let me say finally this. Bad things will happen to you not only for correction and not only for a recompense for the bad you've done, but bad things can happen to you for God's glory. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. I figured you'll enjoy this one, so I put it at the last one. At least we can have some kind of a hope out of it. John chapter 9. And verse number 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now this idea of paying for your sins is so universal that if you got Christian brothers and sisters and you start going through hardship, somebody's going to say, Hey, I wonder what kind of sin he done. Because we're righteous enough to detect that in other people. We're like a, we're like a righteous metal detector, ain't we? Oh, oh. Oh, I'm so holy and I'm so good. Oh, you're going through hardship? What'd you do? <laughs> well, you must have offended the Lord pretty bad to go through what you're going through. <laughs> Brother, would you like to go to the altar so I can pray that you might get right? <laughs> That's the way people look at one another. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see you lost your home. What'd you do? What'd you do bad? That's the way people are because people are... Well, I can't say what people are. People are bad. <laughs> Amen. People... Uh, people are self-righteous. Amen. I'll just leave it at that. That's a bad, that's a bad, that's a pretty bad name, self-righteous. But that's what they are. They'll see you going through hardship and say, well, you must not be right with God. Amen. And the reason why that is because we know bad things happen because 
God's punishment. Amen? And because we're sinners, bad stuff happens just for recompense. Amen? So, what what you've got to understand when we talk about things happening bad for God's glory is you've got to be careful not to sacrifice the first two points for the sake of your favorite one. And this will be your favorite one. Well, this bad, this bad thing's happening just so God can get glory out of it. So we, we, on, the, on the far end of the spectrum, you've got self-righteous people that think bad stuff happens only because of sin. And on the other side of the spectrum, you've got people that think, well, this certainly couldn't be anything that I, because of anything that I've done, so this must be going to work out for God's glory. And in a sense, in a sense, Romans 8.28 all things work together for good, but it didn't say all things happen for good. It says all things work together for good. Uh, this boy right here that we're about to read about in John chapter nine, he had a he had a terrible a disease. This man was blind. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure he was probably looking. Oh Lord, what good is this? Well, he probably thought that all of his life. Why is this happening to me? Well, it came out in the end, but. He probably had some thinking to do about that. And probably lots of people thought about him just that way. Just like his disciples here. Said the disciples asked him saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus said, this problem that he's got didn't come because of sin, but so I can do something for him. And that's, that's a good thing for you to look for when something bad happens in your life. Okay, what's God going to do here? But don't neglect the other two points. What you'll want to do when something bad happens is, Lord, is there something that I've done? And God's faithful to, to tell you, I promise. He'll bring that thing right to your mind. He does me and I'm nobody. I mean, I don't have any reason to doubt that he'll do the same for you. Lord, what's going on here? What did I do? And I'll tell you the nature of the punishment, if it's for your correction, the nature of the punishment will allow for you to correct. Let me just give you an extreme example so you know what I meant by that. And you've been putting your hand somewhere where you ought not be and God breaks your arm your arm's going to heal back, you'll be able to use it again. Right. That's correction. Right. If you're putting your hand somewhere it ought not be, and God takes off your arm, that's recompense. Amen. Yeah. There's no room for correction right there. You're not to be trusted with your arm, so the Lord plucked it from you. You know, the Lord said, if your eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from you, because it's better to go to heaven with, with, with one eye than it is to go to hell. Being able to see out of both eyes, that's a terrible paraphrase, but you understand it, don't you? You understand it. So, if it's correction, God will give you an avenue to correct. If it's for recompense, you'll just flat know that happened because of that. (laughs) What do you expect, Lord? I don't expect nothing. I just give you a whooping. Well, why? Because I said so. Lord will deal with you that way. Amen. Now, I'm glad I got a long-suffering God. Amen. Amen. That He's long-suffering. Punishment... Correction will happen a long time before punishment retribution. I promise you that. You're not going to sin a sin one time, wake up tomorrow and have your head cut off by God. Uh, Understand that. Amen? Understand that. God will let a man go a long ways. And that's because we're a lot stupid. 
Right. Amen. Amen. One man will say, well, I've been living this way for 40 years. Well, I guess you're that dumb. Right. 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 God just knows you're a, a, an imbecile, a nincompoop. And it might take 45 or 50 years for you to learn you're so dumb. Right. Tell them that. See how, how much they like you. They'll probably send you a Christmas card next year. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Amen. Well, when troubles come, though, it might not be for correction. It might be for you to see God be able to work. I was talking to somebody today that was going through some things, and they've been going through some things for a long time. And, and boy, I was glad to be able to say, and they agreed, and, and, and hey, just wait and see what God will do. Right. And sometimes you see people going through stuff, and it ain't no good. But you just wait. Wait and see what God will do. Mm. Mm -mm. you just never can tell and when God does it make sure he gets the glory for it Amen. Amen. Matthew 5 16 says let your light so shine what is your light well can it uh, it can be truth it can be the word of God all that stuff can be considered light but hey the, the things that God has done good for you in your life can't that be your light Amen. you may not understand the uh, the details of the Trinity and eternal security. You may not understand all that stuff, but hey, don't you know God took you from the reprobate you was and made you into something else? Uh, maybe God, you had some kind of terrible disease and God healed you of it, or maybe maybe He didn't even heal you. Maybe just give you the ability to stand it. Yeah. Amen. Right. Boy, my mama ended up when I was when I was just about to get out of high school. My mama ended up with some bad stuff in internal. They had to go in there and cut a lot of stuff out. And that's bad. That's terrible. It, it still affects her today. But she, the, no matter how bad it was, all that bad stuff, it made it possible for her to continue. If she had kept that stuff the way it is, she'd be dead now. She'd have died of several different things. And she don't want to live the way she's living now, but she's living now. So sometimes God's not going to heal you. But boy, hadn't He made it possible for you to live? Amen. Yeah. That's wonderful. Amen. <laughs> That's wonderful. I, you know, I, something small. I mean, a lot of stuff is just small. A lot of The Bible calls stuff we go through our light affliction. I took my little boy. Now, if I, took, if I had a boy and he was about Nick's size over here, I'd turn him over to the doctor and say, do what you can. <laughs> I mean, I mean if he, if, if, amen. If, if, if he was my boy and the doctor said, his adenoids got to come out, I ain't no problem. Boy, he'd put him to sleep. Take, what, take whatever's affecting his head out of there. All right. Give him a brain transplant while he <laughs> Oh, but I, listen, I got a little boy. He can't even talk good yet. And the doctor said, we're going to put him to sleep. I said, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that. You say, why? Because he's just a little baby, man. Yeah. And I see what the boy got to go in there and get all that stuff cut out. And they're going to put him to sleep and fix his teeth and all kinds of stuff like that. I don't know what's wrong with my kids. Every one of them teeth rotted out when they was babies. I don't know what that's all about. Probably sulfur water. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Listen, it don't matter what it was. What I'm trying to tell you is, is took that little boy in there and watch him go through that and watch him take him away from his mother and him crying as they go out through. So we're going to give him some medicine to make him not cry. I said, no, you ain't. 
and just let him cry. Amen. Take him off in there and they put him to sleep. And I thought, man, it's, but you know what? In the long run, help him breathe better, help him sleep better. And maybe that's a silly illustration and maybe there's nothing to worry about. But I can tell you this, he had to go through that to get something better. Right. Right. Amen. That, there's some of, that, some of that stuff that's happened in your life. You've went through some bad stuff, but now you can raise your hands to heaven and say, better than it could have been. Amen. Better than it could have been. Better than it could have been. Your light might be the troubles and and all that stuff. The light, uh, that light that's in your life right now, the things that God has done for you, uh, that should light the way to the greater light of the gospel. You say, boy, look what God done for me in my body. Look what God done for me in my home. Look what God done for me in my finances. And by the way, that reminds me to tell you, Jesus died on the cross for you, and He'll do the same for you, and He'll forgive you. I mean, whatever whatever physical things God has done for you, be sure to make sure that transfers over to the better thing that God's done for you, which was die for your everlasting soul. Amen? God can do this. Now you can say, oh, did God heal you of that? Oh yeah, God healed me of that, but there's something better He done for me. He forgave me of all my sins. Amen. Amen. So you, you use one light to point to a bigger light. Well, you know, I, sometimes, you know, people like people like these, uh, what do they call them, these lighthouses. You know, they become, even after they're not used, they, they're still used as national monuments or museums or something like that. One time we was living up in, uh, we was living up in Delaware, and uh, they got these things. Of course, my wife's from Delaware. Most of you know that. But, you know, normally when you see a lighthouse, you see this big round thing sitting on the coast and it's sitting up there. Well, you know, Delaware's got this system where they built these towers and they're sometimes 10, 15 miles away from the ocean or anything like that. But I rode around and I noticed one here and then I ride around six months and I noticed one over there. Finally, I said, I'm going to find out what those things are. And I went to asking questions about those things. And you know what I found out those things was? They, they're not that big. Uh, so I never, I never would have imagined what they was. But I asked questions about those things. You know, the, the, the Delaware Bay opens up into the Delaware River and those big old container ships come up in there to go to Philadelphia. And they got these little lights and they'll position them 10, 15 miles away from the river and they're shining right out there at that river. And that, those container ships are coming up the river and they just find that light and they go straight for that light. And then when they get to a turn in the river, they'll turn around they'll find that light and they'll follow that. They're not looking at Philadelphia. They're not looking at a light from Philadelphia saying, hey, we're over here. You know, you see those lights that turn around in the night? That's a light that's letting you know how to find the airport. There it is right there. Well, all they got is this one little light and it's pointing out at the river and the pilot follows that light and then he follows that light and then he follows that light. Next thing you know, he'll be at Philadelphia. And that's the troubles in your life. And you'll let your light so shine somebody will see God do that for you and then God will see, they'll see God do that for you and they'll see God do that for you next thing they'll know, they'll say, hey, what in the world is going on? You say, well, look at that light right there. Amen. And what you've done, you've brought them from waypoint to waypoint to waypoint in your life, what God's done in your life and then you'll say, this is why. It's all because of Calvary. Amen. Then they end up getting saved. And who gets the glory for that? That's the ultimate of getting God's glory. 
giving God's glory. Amen? You need to be saved. And I've seen uh, God do some great miracles in your folk, in you folks' lives. Amen? Amen? I've seen God do things in your life. And no doubt if I've seen it, your family members have seen it. And they'll come to you and say, well, how in the world did you ever get through that? And your answer ought to be, because I've got a God that saved me. Yes. Well, how did you get through that? I've got a God that saved me. Well, I'm talking about your healing. Well, I'm talking about my spiritual healing. Amen. Use that as your answer every single time. Amen. Why do bad stuff happen? For correction. So you don't go through the rest of your life doing bad things. For recompense because you've already done some stuff bad. And I'm glad he hadn't dealt with us after our transgressions, the Bible said. If we had what we deserved, it'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? But God God has paid us for our sins and God will pay us for our sins. But the Bible says He hadn't dealt with us after our transgressions. There's not one person in this room that's got what they deserve from God. Not one. Not one. And I'm glad of that. God deals with us for our correction. God deals with us because of the sins that we've done. And also God deals with us so that He can get glory in our lives. When you've got something bad happen, say, God... Give me the patience. Give me the grace to get through this. And when I get through it, I'm going to give you glory for it. I'm going to give, you know, when the preacher prays, he says, and we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank him while you're going through it too. Yeah. Amen. And give him glory. Somebody said, well, what's going on? Oh, I don't know. No, don't react like that. What's going on? I don't know, but God's going to handle it. Right. Amen. Uh, I think it's Ruth or somebody in here saying, God will make this trial a blessing. And he will. He will if you give him if you give him an opportunity. Will you give him an opportunity to do it?